Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm going to be talking about how offense, penalties, turnovers led to a crushing Rutgers loss in Nebraska Friday night, 14-13. So let's go ahead and get started. I wanted to mention as I start this that this will be a slightly different kind of podcast than I normally do. Um, This one will be a little more stream of consciousness. Sometimes I'll take a few bullet point notes and try to cover specific things. I'm recording this on Saturday morning after a Friday night Rutgers game and my voice is gone. So if I sound a little different today, it's from me shouting during the Rutgers game last night. So hopefully I won't have to pause too much to take a drink of water. My voice is kind of gone here. Um, So let's talk about the Rutgers-Nebraska game on Friday night and Rutgers' putrid offense and some devastating, devastating penalties and a few turnovers led to what is just a crushing Rutgers loss to Nebraska, 14-13. It was a game that they had a 13-0 lead at halftime, and in the second half, their offense literally did absolutely nothing. Um, I wanted to talk, first of all, though, about the <clears throat> the Rutgers game day experience before we talk about the game itself, because it continues to get better. Um, and <clears throat> if you're not sure what I mean, before the game starts in the tailgating area, they've opened up a Rutgers boardwalk that I've talked about previously, and it has all kinds of awesome stuff. And now it has rides, and it's got a Ferris wheel, and it has slides, and it has food, and it has games you can play you can take pictures with some of the basketball players and with the night and for kids you can do little things and you know take a picture with a horse and all kinds of fun stuff I mean it's like fantastic atmosphere and inside the stadium the game day experience is nothing short of excellent at this point especially for night games it's like you're at a carnival or a concert it's spectacular they have great light shows and fireworks and All kinds of stuff going on. They have star after star come to the stadium and they put a spotlight on them and they say, go Rutgers. And they had Kelsey Grammer from, you know, Frazier and Cheers there and a bunch of other people yesterday. It was Todd Frazier, all kinds of people. In any case, the actual game day experience that Rutgers is um, presenting to its fans uh, continues to get better and better and really now is, is... almost at the elite level. I got to say, it's a spectacular experience going to a Rutgers game, (laughs) at least till the game starts anyway. It is really um, a good thing. They're doing a fantastic job, and and the stadium looks and sounds great. The light shows are awesome. I mean, it's really a fun experience, both for adults and children before and during the game. And the football team has to find a way to actually match on the field what's going on outside because – um, it's becoming almost second to none, the game day experience at Rutgers. And that's a you know odd thing to, to say, especially with the criticism that will be forthcoming in the next you know minutes of this podcast. But let me tell you, the game day experience is about as good as you can get now at Rutgers, especially if you have <clears throat> parking ability in either the blue or the yellow lot next to the boardwalk. It's just a, a spectacular thing. So... With that out of the way, um, they announced that the crowd was a sellout, and not only a sellout, the second largest ever at SHI Stadium, and there is no friggin' way that that actually was true, 
because being at the game, you could see anywhere between five and 8,000 empty seats. They announced 53,000, but there is no way there were 53,000 there. So you have to call into question some of these announcements about the crowds that Rutgers are starting to make because it was plenty crowded. I mean, it was there was a good crowd, but again, it was late arriving, and it just gets my craw because, you know, you walk in, and, and, and this, when this, before the game starts, when the players are coming in, they're, they're running out onto the field, and you see a half-empty stadium you know, 10 minutes before game time. And it's got to be depressing to to the players. And it's depressing for me who's in the stadium because I want to see the fans come out early and, and that stadium be friggin' packed right from the beginning. Certainly the Nebraska fans were there. And they were, I think, maybe the loudest away crowd I've ever heard. That They really showed up in droves in the Nebraska crowd. And they were very loud before and during the game. And the fact that we had a late arriving crowd only, you know, compounded that. That said, you know, once the game started and midway through the first quarter, you know, the stadium was was pretty full. But we need to actually get fans in the stadium before, you know, we're we're doing now. It's just it's not fair to to anyone. That said, fans are going to show up early when the team plays well. And, And that's what, you know, that's what drives everything. And as I sort of start to talk about my analysis of this game, I want to mention that there's sort of a a yin and a yang to this, right? So there's two parts, and the yin is very bad, and the yin is this. Rutgers' offense is about as bad as one could imagine at the college football level at this point, and there are reasons for it other than talent, right? I mean, we are on our third string quarterback but there's no excuse for the way these plays are being called whether it's Gleason or Shiano I suspect it's Gleason but whoever it is Gleason who I used to love I'm starting to detest at this point he's gone from sort of an amazing unbelievable offensive coach who in 2020 just did all kinds of great things to a coach now I think I want to just go and punch him in the face like I don't understand what he's doing with half these calls his misuse of we have a freshman running back, Brown, um, number 27. He's kind of a, a strong dude and showed surprising speed yesterday, too. But he was very effective. He's been effective these last couple of weeks, and he was one of the more effective players on the field running the ball. And and we just, after he ran really well, you know, they sort of took him out of the offense. And I don't understand. It's one of the 10 or 12 just head-scratching things we did offensively. In addition to, you know, some terrible play calling, some terrible execution, we had some incredibly costly penalties, just insanely costly penalties. I, I mean, it's, I don't even know what to say. We, Brown had a 21-yard run down to the one-yard line or maybe even scored. I don't, it didn't matter because they called a, I guess it was a holding penalty, uh, and it just you know, took again, four points off the board. I think we ended up with a field goal at the end of the game. You know, when we were just about to get the ball back on, it would have been fourth down. We took a unsportsmanlike conduct for late hit out of bounds. There, there was, there was a phantom offensive interference call that did not happen. And we would have caught another bomb and either scored or been down to the one yard line. And the, the fans were all over the refs. You know, this, you know, whether the calls were real or manufactured, and by the way, 99% of them were real. That one was gigantic that the refs blew, but penalties. 
were just incredibly costly. And, and I have to say, Shano has got to step up and take care of this. Um, listening to Shano's post-game press conference, uh, there's a few things I actually like about what he said. And this was not one of them. This, these penalties, you know, a lot of times he gets in these post-game press conferences and he said, you know, that's not us. You know, and, you know, Parcells had this famous saying for the Giants, right? When a reporter said, you know, uh, yeah, I, I know you're you're three and eight, but you know you you really seem like you're a good team. You're really playing well. And Parcells stopped the reporter, the reporter mid sentence and said, "We are three and eight. You are what your record says you are. If you you're three and eight, that's how good you are. And that's what I feel like. If Rutgers continues to take penalties here, as they have been week after week, that is who they are. They are a team that takes too many penalties. So. Whether Shano can get up there at the end of the game and say, you know, hey, that's not us. Well, it is us. I'll tell you what. It is us, right? We continue to do it week after week, and Shano needs to step the frig up here and fix this shit because this was absolutely critically costful throughout this game. We have took critical penalty after critical penalty, and, and there's probably three or four of them where if we didn't take it, this game would have been different. It was insane. And again, I'm not going to talk about the the terrible, terrible call that also turned the game. You know, that offensive pass interference was just dreadful. Absolutely an awful, awful call that probably did turn the game. But even if you take that one out, there's all kinds of other bad, bad, bad penalty calls, um, bad penalties that we took that should not have happened. That led to, you know, along with our terrible offense, did this loss. We have to find a way to support this Rutgers defense, which has been good and continues to be good. This Nebraska team is a beatable team. They've already fired their coach. They were not playing particularly well. They were scoring a fair amount of points, though, I have to say. You know, as I read some of these articles about the game, they talk about how this is a beatable team. Certainly it was. Nebraska is and was a beatable team, but they have scored points. It is not like you know, say the Iowa team that's certainly struggled on defense, even though they had on offense, even though they had good defense, Nebraska has moved the ball and they have scored in previous games. And in the first half, the Rutgers defense shut them out. And then the second half, when the offense for Rutgers couldn't do anything, eventually, you know, Nebraska scored 14 points, which isn't all that much. And one of them was just on one play after we turned the damn ball over after a Simon terrible interception, he threw some awful interceptions. So the Rutgers defense is not a problem. Um, our special teams in general has some good and bad, but probably isn't the problem. I mean, we blocked a punt. The field goal kicker actually made a couple field goals and seems to have maybe settled down, even though I don't have particular confidence in him. And his kickoffs suck balls. But overall, special teams with our great punter, and um, a block pun and, and some other good stuff is not the problem. The defense is not the problem. The friggin' Rutgers offense is the giant, giant problem for Rutgers. And at this point, there has to be something Gleason can do to mix things up, to put us in a better position to win. We continue to have this run on first down, run on second down, pass on third down, awful play calling. We continue to get in critical spots of games, and you have Johnny Langdon trying to do a run up the middle. I mean, this is a 2022 college football offense. You can't have quarterback sneaks as your main source in a close game. It can't be. 
I don't care if you're in your 12th string quarterback. You cannot have that type of play calling in 2022 college football. And I'm sorry. It is just a dreadful offense to watch. Now, that said, there's many specific things that could have been done to change this, right? You had, I mentioned already, Brown, who was running the ball really, really well. And you you watch, you know, I watch closely. I'm on the Rutgers sideline at the game, and, and I'm on that side of the field, and I'm up high, and I can see everything. And, and you watch as these substitutions happen. And they're series by series, sometimes play by play, in the middle of a series, He's taken out the quarterback, taken out the running back, putting in a new quarterback, putting in a new running back. I don't know what Gleason's doing. I don't know. Now, after the game, you hear Shiano talking about, well, you know, Vedral is better, but his hand, I don't know, it's got, you know, some stamina problems. I guess he was alluding to the fact that, you know, while he could play well in the beginning of the game, you know, the fact that maybe, I don't know, his hand was hurting by the end of the game or some other horse shit. I don't care what it is. If Vedral's healthy enough to play, then he's healthy enough to play. If he's not, he's not. I don't want to hear this horse shit. You know, if he was deemed healthy enough to play in the beginning of the game, then we need to have an offensive coordinator that utilizes everything properly. And, you know, in the beginning of the game, we looked great. We drove down the field. We had a long pass. We had several long passes, which we, by the way, abandoned until it was too late. We had all these long passes down the field, both by Simon and by Vedral. Two, three, four of them uh, complete. One of them was called back on a horseshit offensive interference. But, you know, probably four passes of 30 or more yards that, you know, were great. And, and then we just stopped doing it completely. You know, we, we, we put in the Johnny Langdon give up offense, you know, at, at the end of the game. Or, you know, let's just take, you know, Brown out and put in Salam and try to run around the corner. It's just head-scratching, insane offensive play calling. You have to do better. Rutgers coaching has to do better. And it's hard to understand how in this 2022, you know, college football year, how you can have an offense that is this grossly incompetent. It's just hard to watch. And, you know, Rutgers fans deserve more. We, we do. Uh, Rutgers fans have been some of the most loyal fans you, you could ever see year after year. And it's starting to wane on me. And I am one of the uh, also one of the <laughs> longest you know, Rutgers fans around here. And I've, I've supported this team through thick and thin, especially with Shiano. And, and it, it's this was a tough one to watch. And they could have done one of 100 things on the field last night. Turnovers awful penalties, any kind of offensive movement. At one point, you had Simon, in addition to three fourth-quarter interceptions, he took a terrible, terrible, just mind-numbing sack that you absolutely cannot take on like a third and six from like the 30-yard line. He took like a 10-yard sack, which you can't possibly do at a critical time in the game it took us out of field goal range and I think um, our kicker missed a 58 yarder or something at that point because you know instead of a 48 yarder it was a 58 yarder and he just couldn't reach and that was that was basically it Um, and it's just it was one of about like I said 10 to 12 insanely awful costly mistakes 
that really cost us the game against Nebraska. And, and it's hard to watch. And it's a really depressing time here. And, and these are winnable games. And sometimes you have to get these to, to move on. Um, I mentioned that. And by the way, as you read all the articles and uh, listen to all the commentary and et cetera, et cetera, you know, tweets, whatever else there may be, all the media coverage of this game, I mentioned there's a yin and a yang to this. Um, the yin is what I just talked about, and it's pretty awful. And I think that's all you're going to hear about. But there is a yang, which I don't think many people are going to be talking about, but I wanted to mention here, right? So, this was terrible. This was awful. I think people are going to be calling for heads. Certainly, I, I am this close to saying, you know, do we have to reconsider whether Gleason is the right offensive coordinator for us? He, we're paying him a friggin' million dollars a year, and this is what we're seeing from our offense. I know it's about, you know, players as well as is about play calling, but certainly you have to call the play calling into question, and you have to hold those accountable accountable and and you can see Shanna also getting frustrated this was the second time in two or three games you could visibly see Shiano yelling at Gleason on the sideline like screaming getting in his face animated you you could see it this was the second time in three games and so you know it's hard to know you don't know what happens on on game day you know it's it's an emotional time out there things happen you can't really read too much into it, but I know what my eyes saw, right? I, I know I saw the head coach screaming at the offensive coordinator again, uh, you know, for the second time in three games. And maybe it's starting to build up in Greg's mind too. But, you know, Gleason has to, you know, be better, right? So this is all the things you're going to read about in the media, all this stuff, right? I want to also end it on sort of a different kind of look at this. The yang to this yin is that Yes, Rutgers should have beaten Nebraska. In my mind, a couple weeks ago, we should have beaten Iowa. And that was where we had two turnover touchdowns, right? It was a pick six and then a fumble scoop and score. And we lost by 13 points and we gave up 14 on those two plays. And the defense again played well and the offense couldn't do enough, right? Um, But I want people to actually think critically about that, right? We should have beaten Iowa and Nebraska. Now, you need to let that sink in. We didn't win those games, right? So that's obviously a big thing. But the fact that Rutgers, recruiting-wise, personnel-wise, and simply overall, was good enough that we should have beaten Iowa and Nebraska, it does say something about the growth. This is year three, it takes a long time, long, long, long time to to build a football team, especially with where Ash, you know, left this team. And, and you know, his name is appropriate because he left this team in ashes. I mean, this was a disgraceful, awful, just disgusting football team under under Ash. And, you know, people might say, ah, you know, it doesn't look much better now. But it is. It's just that it's funny because you have these losses to really good teams, you know, this year, Iowa and Nebraska are not really good, but let's face it, they're Iowa and Nebraska. And if under Ash we played either of these teams, we would have lost by 40 points, and everybody knows it, right? So the fact that everybody is so upset that we didn't beat Iowa and Nebraska 
says something in itself about the team's growth, right? The fact that we're in a spot where everybody is throwing up their arms that we didn't beat Iowa and Nebraska tells you in itself how far this team has come. Now, that's obviously not enough, but I think people have to gain a perspective here and understand that if we are good enough that losing to good, you know, Big Ten teams suddenly is awful for us, that means that the team has moved up the echelon enough that, you know, we should have beaten some of these Big Ten teams where it wasn't even thinkable in the ash era, right? Also, we have a th- we're starting a third string freshman quarterback for most of the year in Simon. And he played most of this game too, even if Vegel came in, threw a couple good passes, and then threw about 10 bad passes. Vegel, by the way, guys, is not a good quarterback. And I'm sorry, he makes a few good plays here and there. He's a good runner. He can't throw the ball. I'm sorry. In any case, we had, you know, and I'm not trying to justify any of this, but we have our third string freshman quarterback, Simon, starting most of these games, right? And with that being the case, we should have beaten Iowa. We should have beaten Nebraska with how it played out on the field. So I just want folks to have a perspective on that, right? It takes time to build a football team, unlike basketball. There's a lot of players. There's a lot of things to do. We're in the toughest division of the toughest con- conference in all of college football in the Big Ten, and it takes time. And people need to have perspective on that. And they are right to be flipped out when things like this happen. Because being at that game yesterday, I was ready to pull my hair out at, at the way we lost that game. But I think it's important to sort of be somewhat analytical about your thinking as time passes from the game And to think that, you know, the fact that we've risen far enough that we should have beaten Iowa, you know, who was close to, you know, the college playoffs a year or two ago, and Nebraska, who is generally a perennial power, even if they're on a down year here. I heard the (laughs) reporter before the game in an interview for Nebraska talking about, yeah, we had a couple decent years. You know, we had uh, this, you know, coach, two coaches ago, you know, he won nine games, you know, five years in a row, but it was really nothing to talk about. So Nebraska is a team that wins nine games five years in a row and doesn't think it's great, right? So we should have beaten that team. We should have beaten Iowa. We're playing our third string quarter, starting freshman quarterback for the majority of this year. It's a tough thing, right? These are excuses, but I think it's important to have some perspective. Um, in any case, all that aside, the yin and the yang, the fan base, and that includes me, <clears throat> need something to hang our hats on because it's so hard mentally week after week to go to these home games. And now we're coming up on, what is it, 21 straight games where Rutgers at home has not beaten a Big Ten opponent. It's very tough mentally on the fans. You have to give the fans something, something, something to hang their hats on. And it's been a long time at home in the Big Ten since Rutgers has been able to do that. So we need something soon to at least make us feel like, you know, we are building in a literal sense, even though, in my opinion, we are building enough. We have to get a quarterback, though. We have to get a real quarterback. And and it's possible we might need another offensive coordinator with some of these head-scratching, you know, play calls and, and substitutions. In any case, I think that's enough for the yin and the yang on Rutgers football. And I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. And I want you to please subscribe to the podcast if you can. 
Also, tell your friends and family all about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.